Yeah. Oh, how you doing this morning? I'm, I made a mistake yesterday. I played pickleball for two hours with a bunch of 20-somethings. Um, we're going to start today with our, our Bible text, and it's going to be up on the screen. It's Hebrews 10, verses 24 and 25. Is it there? There it is. And let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Of course, that day is the day when Jesus comes back. Let's pray together as we study today. Father, thank you for this church. Thank you that we can come here and be together as the family of God. We can come and study your word, worship at your feet. Thank you that in our time here, you, by your spirit, you work in our lives to better prepare us to be all that you've called us to be to the world. So Lord, we just pray and lift up this time to you and ask that you use it to Spur us on to love and good works. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So, when you think about the church in America today, what do you think? Are your thoughts generally negative or generally positive? More specifically, how do you think about Midland Free Church? That's so confusing out there based on what we hear about the church from the many different media forms. We hear lots of negative things. Church attendance is down drastically. At some churches, over 50% post-COVID. Church leaders have moral failures. Others are losing their jobs over what's being called spiritual abuse. And more and more churches are sliding down the slippery slope towards liberalism. You know, when you make a compromising decision on any biblical issue, for instance, who can be ordained as a pastor, it doesn't mean that you're not a Christian, but it opens a door to allow further compromise and eventual rejection of the Bible as the authoritative word of God. We cannot pick and choose which parts of the Bible we choose to believe or which parts we think are still relevant today. The Bible is the authoritative, eternal 
word of God. So those are the negatives that we hear all the time about the church. But then we remember and reflect on the promises of God concerning the church. He promises his church will stand. Matthew 16, 18, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We're promised that the church will do greater things. As John 14, 12 says, they will do even greater things than these because I, Jesus, am going to the Father. And God promises to build his kingdom. Daniel 2, 44. During the reigns of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed or conquered. It will crush all these kingdoms into nothingness. And it will stand forever. I love the church. And I love my church. I love that I can go to Thailand and worship with brothers and sisters in Christ there who I've never met and have an instant connection with them as part of the family of God. I love that this body of believers has been and continues to be my family in a way that has become more and more real over the years, even as changes have been made in leadership and people have come and gone. Many of you have probably heard that Tom and Bev Steele, the couple in whom this church started in their living room almost 40 years ago, have sold their house and will soon be moving to the Holland area to be closer to their two daughters and granddaughters. Tom and Bev have been mentors, friends, counselors, substitute grandparents to our kids, you name it. To say it more simply, they've been our substitute family for over 27 years since we moved here as a young couple. We will miss them dearly. But you know what's really beautiful? Is that similar stories could be told by so many of you. About the folks that are sitting in those chairs next to you. And how they've supported you with prayer and encouragement, meeting physical and or financial needs. The church is the family of God. And I love this family. Many have reiterated this, but I believe Charles Spurgeon said it first. The church is the hope of the world. Our world, our neighbors, our children so badly need hope today. Politicians, educators, and social influencers may try to give it, but generally the basis of any hope they offer is found lacking. As we alluded to earlier, admittedly, the church in America has also been found lacking at times in this day. 
But when the church is functioning properly, no person or institution can offer the hope the world needs like the church can. So my exhortation to you today is be the church. The first part of our Bible text today says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. That's what I want to do today by exhorting you to be the church. Wayne Grudem, in his great work of systematic theology, lays out the three main purposes of the church. Now, just a little side note. This book here may be the next best thing to having Pastor Kurt sitting across the table from you to ask your questions about God and Christianity. If you don't have one of these in your house, you should buy one. $35 on Amazon, answer all your questions in great biblical, biblically solid ways. But Grudem lays out in his theology the three main purposes of the church. They are ministry to God, worship, ministry to believers, nurture, and ministry to the world, evangelism and mercy. Let's look at each one of these through the lens of my exhortation to you to be the church. First, if we want to effectively be the church, we meet, need to minister to God through worship. I love worship. I love worshiping with you at Midland Free. Our worship team does an excellent job of leading us in worship each week. Yeah. Over 10 years ago, our body lost a great worship pastor by the name of Rod Lyon. At that time, though, the decision was made to turn the worship ministry over primarily to volunteers. And every week, our team of volunteers worked to choose songs and themes, to set an order of service, to learn and practice songs, etc. Our team is careful to choose songs that are biblically accurate and that are God-focused, while at the same time being songs you will enjoy singing and that will stir your affections toward God. We owe a debt of gratitude to these faithful servants who prep and lead us in worship each week. And I, for one, say thank you. God says to the church at Colossae. Sing songs and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus that they should be addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. And note, God doesn't just want or request worship, he demands it. God demands worship 
because he and he alone is worthy of worship. Revelation 4.11, you are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things and they exist because you created what you pleased. You know, it's only natural for a true believer to worship God. He who is forgiven much loves much. Worship should most often flow out of a heart of gratitude from a forgiven sinner. As the song says, so I throw up my hands and I praise you again and again because all that I have is a hallelujah. And I know it's not much, but I have nothing else fit for a king except for a heart singing hallelujah. But sometimes... Our worship is more like what the Bible describes as a sacrifice of praise. The second half of today's text reminds us that an important part of worship is just showing up. It says, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. But I would add on to that. Let's be careful not just to show up. To worship, but also to engage in worship. We all know how easy it can be to show up to worship distracted by something. Maybe something you're doing after church. Maybe some sin in your life or maybe some trouble that you're dealing with at home or work or school. When that's the case, we need to bring our sacrifice of praise to God in an act of obedient worship. We're going to be the church the way the church is supposed to be. And we need to be a church that worships in spirit and in truth. The second purpose of the church is ministry to believers. I'm going to be reading from Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. 
Now notice a, a few quick things here from that text. Verses 11 and 12 says that it is the pastor's and teacher's job to equip you for the work of ministry. Verse 13 gives us the goal. Unity of faith, knowledge of God, and spiritual maturity. And then notice two clear signs of spiritual maturity. Verse 14, stability. It says, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, by everyone we see on the internet. Oh, wait, that last part's not in there, is it? But when we attain spiritual maturity, we gain stability. But the second sign of spiritual maturity is also there. It's in verse 15. Truth is joined with love. The phrase says, speaking the truth in love. Someone has said that truth without love is brutality. But love without truth is hypocrisy. And what's the primary tool to nurture Christians. Of course, it's the Bible. 2 Timothy 3:16 and 17 says, "All scripture is breathed out by God." Does that sound familiar, middle schoolers? All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So what does our church offer you to help you grow in spiritual maturity? First of all, our weekly pulpit ministry. I don't know about you, but I'm so excited to have Pastor Kurt. Amen. Our church has a history of good biblical exegesis from the pulpit. And as we searched for a new lead pastor, I was surprised to see how difficult it was to find men of God who were faithfully doing biblical exegesis from the pulpit on a week-to-week basis. Pastor Kurt exegetes the word each Sunday morning as the Spirit leads him. And we are blessed to be able to sit under his teaching on a week-to-week basis. I hope you're taking advantage of that by being in church on a consistent basis. But don't stop there. We also offer small churches. I think there's a slide going up with those. Yeah, six different small churches that meet at 9 a.m. Hopefully there's something for everyone there. If you haven't tried one of those, I strongly encourage you to try one. Uh, There's also Sunday school, of course, for the youth and the children. Something for everyone. So study the Bible together and grow. There's also a special new class starting on Tuesday nights called Spiritual You. 
And uh, that'll be starting a week from Tuesday. So if you're interested in a Tuesday night study, you can get more information on that on a church website. But the goal of all this is told in, or given to us in Colossians 1.28. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we might present everyone mature in Christ. The third purpose of the church that we need to know and act on if we want to be the church that God has called us to be, we need to be a church that ministers to the world through evangelism and mercy. The mandate to take the gospel to the world is well known by most of you. Matthew 28, 19, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. I'm a firm believer that the very best way to do evangelism is in the context of relationship. And most often, through one-on-one -on -one personal evangelism. I was led to Christ through personal evangelism when the brother of a girl I was pursuing to date in high school shared the gospel with me. And yet, the thought of personal evangelism strikes fear in the hearts of probably a majority of Christ followers. This summer, a group of our extreme high school students went on a mission trip to Denver, Colorado called Lead the Cause. Part of that trip included opportunities to go out on the streets of Denver and do walk-up evangelism. Our students had varying levels of apprehension as they went out, but many also t excitedly told stories of how God showed up and gave them victory over their fears as they stepped out in faith. Honestly, the church can only do so much when it comes to evangelism. The church can train its members on the importance of evangelism and teach them techniques and strategies for sharing the gospel. The church can organize evangelistic outreach events, and we can make sure that the plan of salvation is clearly articulated at those events. But if, for example, the youth group organizes a lock-in as an evangelistic opportunity, and students don't invite their friends, then no evangelism is happening at that event, even if the gospel's presented in a clear way. The church and its leaders play a role by training, motivating, and organizing, but ultimately, it's up to you. The individual members of the body who must at the very least invite and optimally, we'll be sharing the gospel one-on-one -on -one with friends, neighbors, coworkers, classmates, and teammates. C.S. Lewis writes, the church 
exists for nothing else but to draw men into Christ, to make them little Christ. If they are not doing that, all the cathedrals, clergy, missions, sermons, even the Bible itself are simply a waste of time. God became man for no other purpose. If it's even, it is even doubtful, you know, whether the whole universe was created for any other purpose. The other piece of ministry to the world is the ministry of mercy. Psalm 146, verses seven through nine say, he upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the foreigner and sustains the fatherless and the widow. But he frustrates the ways of the wicked. I love how that passage touches on so many different groups to whom we, through God, can show Mercy. Here's the list. The oppressed, the hungry, prisoners, the blind, foreigners, orphans, and widows. It's not a complete list by any means, but it reminds us that there are so many out there to whom God wants us to have ministries of mercy. This is why our Love Local ministry at the church is so important. Through them, our body is reaching out to our community in many different ways. For instance, the recently concluded backpack drive for North Midland Family Center or the upcoming opportunity to serve at the open door. Opportunities are there for us to show mercy to the world. Now, some might want to ask the question, which is more important when it comes to our ministry to the world? And based on the earlier C.S. Lewis quote, it might be easy to conclude that evangelism is the most important. But I would prefer, instead of discussing which one is more important, to emphasize the importance of doing both together. When evangelism is done alongside ministries of mercy, it tells the person that we care not just about their spiritual needs or just about their physical needs, but that we care about every part of who they are as a human being. So, many of you have already got the QR code. Can it go back up there again? We're going to do a little survey here. Okay, so if you haven't got this, see if you can get it now. Get your phones out if you haven't already done it, because we want you to take a little three-question survey based on today's sermon. See what the results look like. I'll give you about 30 seconds. Follow that QR code to where it leads you, and you're going to find three questions. Those questions are based on the points of today's sermon. Here are the questions that you're being asked to answer. How are we as a church 
doing and ministering to God through worship? How are we doing as a church in ministering to believers? And how are we doing as a church in ministering to the world through evangelism and mercy? And if this works, we're gonna get some instant results here in a few minutes. Is that, is that it or, or can we get a later update as people finish? I don't know how this is gonna work. Is that what we got? Oh, it adjusted a little. Maybe there's more coming. All right, so I just thought this would be interesting to look at. Everybody thinks we're doing great with the worship, not quite as good with the ministry to believers and to the world. If I were grading us as a church, I probably would have given our highest scores to worship also, and probably our lowest scores to the third one, evangelism and mercy. But it's interesting to see everybody's opinion. But no matter what those results look like, the mandate to all of us is still the same. Be the church. We are the church. And if we want to make a difference in the world, we need to be the church as God intended it. So, go to church, give to the church, serve at the church, pray for your church, correct the church which yours, and encourage those serving the church wherever you can. Be the church. I want to just close with two questions that are just questions for you to think about and hopefully act on. First question, what are your hopes for the future of Midland Free Church? Just thinking about these. What are your hopes for the future of Midland Free Church? And most importantly, what can you do now? What can you do now to help make that a reality? It's up to you. You are the church. We want to be the church as God intended it. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much again for the gift the church. It is such a blessing to each one of us. And I know, God, that we're not even close to being a perfect church. I don't think it exists. But I pray that you would help us to be the best church that we can be as we submit to you and are led by your Holy Spirit. Help us to be a church that worships in spirit and truth. Help us to be a church that equips our body to do the work of ministry. And help us to be a church 
that loves our neighbors as ourselves. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you stand? Let's sing together as a church. Father, let your kingdom come. Father, let your will be done. On earth as in heaven, right here in my heart. Father, let your kingdom come. with the high of 75. Um, we're going to be out here on the lawn. Three food trucks. Bad news is you have to pay for it. But there's f- three different choices of food trucks out there. All kinds of games set up. In fact, if you've never tried pickleball, there's a pickleball set up out there. All kinds of games. Stuff for the kids. Come on, let's party together. Um, Also, we do need to take down this one section of chairs this week, and there will be some elders up here for at least a few minutes before they go out to party if you want to come talk or pray with anyone. Let's pray together before we're dismissed. Father, thanks again for this day, for this body. Lord, as we eat and fellowship together, just give us a great time. Use it to encourage us and to spur us on to love and good works. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's yours. It's yours. All yours. All yours. The kingdom. The power. The glory are yours. It's yours. Yours, all yours, all yours, forever.